Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. I think it was Thursday I came home. We got a little grandson, his name is Luke. I call him Lukey Dude. The Lukey Dude is he's our youngest grandchild. He's six, I think. Six, going on fifteen. He's got the testosterone levels of a boy of 30. And uh, you can imagine what that's like. Luigi, you can imagine like, me like teaching little Lukey. Lukey came home to his dad and said, Dad, you're gonna get a, <laughs> I think you're going to get a letter from the teacher. And because Jason, <laughs> being a builder, said, OK, what have you done, Luke? He said, well, I, 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 went, I went to school this morning, Dad. And he said, on the table, there was this big jar of apples. And he looked at him, oh, mate, they look pretty cool. And there was a sign over it. Take what you need, but remember, God is watching. But then he looked down, he saw this bigger jar full of cookies, chocolates, all the gear. And he looked at them, and he looked back at the sign with the apples. And he reached into his bag and got a little A4 paper. And he got his Nico out, and he said... Help yourself to the cookies because God's watching the apples. Only <laughs> <laughs> a little boy could think of that. Is that me right? <laughs> Help yourself to the cookies because God's watching the apples. <laughs> oh dear. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about the ripple effect of the believer or the church on the world. And as you see today. I'm wearing something different. And as I talk today, I'm not talking from the aspect of a church pastor. I've spent 53 years in the workplace and probably more of it in this gear than I have in church gear. So I understand a little bit more. Next week I'll be in in Mackay doing training with a company up there for a week and I'll be wearing this gear. And so today I talk to you, I want to talk to those who aren't on church staff. I want to talk to the people like me who goes into the workforce and I want to start off this scripture here, Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth, therefore go into, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the world. Amen. And so I'm talking to you and I'm talking to from the aspect of a person with a secular job. One who goes out into the world on Monday, one's going to enter into that world, that crazy world outside the church. One who faces all the challenge that the workplace uh, can impose upon them. One who faces all the challenges of the workplace. The unsatisfied customers, know any of them? Contentious workmates, know any of them? 
the ever-changing expectations of the business world. Know them? Ever-increasing debt level. Know them? The shifting goalposts of business. I've spent many years in both worlds, a secular, uh, secular Christian and also full-time church pastor. Both worlds have their own challenges and both are as important and as impacting as the other. I want you to hear this. Both are as important and both are impacting as the other. Going into that world, the ministry of the congregational me- uh, member is mostly unseen by the church. Would that be true? Your pulpit is not within the four walls of this building. And most of my life, it's not within here. It's in the boardrooms, it's in the classrooms, it's in the courtrooms, the smoker rooms, on the painting trestle, at the desk behind the, the serving counter, in the operating theatre, in hospital wards, in addiction wards. It's, that's where your pulpit is. It's not here, is it? How many would agree? And so tomorrow you go into that world. But remember, when you leave this building, you go as a representative of the kingdom of God and of this church family. What I love when we have our monthly prayer meetings, a month never goes by when we don't get a text from Luke, from Canberra, saying these are some of the needs we need. Which means that it's the church and Luke. And we've got to understand today, when you go in to your business tomorrow, wherever you go, it's not you. You might be going into an aged people's home. You could be going into a psychology clinic. You could be going into that classroom. You could have 10 Lukes. Would that be right? You could have 10 of them. It's chaos out there. But when you leave this, you are a representative of the kingdom. It is the work of the Lord. See, when you go out, it's easy to get messed up not knowing it that this is the work of the Lord. But that world, is, it, it, it's a changing world. It's a, it's a work of redemption, it's a work of discipleship, and it is a generational work. See, wherever you work, I spend a lot of my time behind a welding helmet at times, other times being a dogman, other times wherever, in the hull of a boat, fitting another motor in there, or underground. And it's easy to, to get sidetracked thinking that you're in your own little world, but you're not in your own little world. I'm not in my own little world. When I go up to Mackay next week, I won't be in my own little world. I'll have a heap of leaders there I've got to talk to, but representing the kingdom of God. I might be talking about mental illness. I might be talking about how to structure whatever. I'm still a representative of the kingdom of God. And this is what I want to talk about. We go into all the world to make disciples. But the impact of Christianity upon the world (laughs) has filtered into every nation and every generation. And it's because you go into the world every Monday. It's because you go into the world and you contend, you contend with the things that are out there. It's very easy. I I know when I was a church pastor and, and, and pastor of our own churches for whatever years, it was very easy for me to be holy and mighty and whatever and get up on the platform, but forgetting sometimes the world that people go through. I remember when I first went to the Atherton Church, uh, pastoring there, 
And this dairy farmer came up to me and, and he said, Dan, make sure what you preach on Sunday helps me to milk the cows on Monday. Thirty odd years later, I've never forgotten it. Can they take something into that workplace? Can it help them to overcome the structuring of the, of the dairy industry? And by hang, a, lot of, a whole lot of farmers went broke. Where is their faith? When we'd have a prayer line, we'd have them up there and they'd have their blue heelers nursing. Um, my dog needs to be prayed for. And we would laugh, but that dog's worth 5,000 bucks to that man. And it's worth three to four people working on the farm. It's their livelihood. So what I preach today has got to help me tomorrow. And I know when I was out there doing whatever in the workplace, whether an engineer in a sugar mill or whatever it was, I, I need to know at the end of the day who I was representing and why I was there. History, historians record, record that prior to Jesus, the ancient world left little trace of any organized charity effort. Do you realize that? The archaeologists can't find any trace of it. And an important aspect of Jesus' ministry was his emphasis on helping the neediest and the lowest of society. And that's what we're called to. We're called to meet and to reach the hungry, the thirsty, and those who are struggling. And they're in our workplaces. They're there wanting living water, and we carry it with us. But Jesus' ministry <laughs> was also one of forgiveness and one of new life. So it's not enough to feed them. We've got to equip them to be able to become fishermen. Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishermen of men. He didn't come to me and I'll break the loaves and the fishes and feed you. He wanted to bring them into new life. A new paradigm needs to have in our world. We, we need, when we are secular people, when, when I go Monday or Thursday last week, I was in a prison meeting with inmates. And I've got to know that when I go in there, I'm taking the kingdom. I, I, I've got to know there's, there's more than helping this, this, this inmate feel happy and, and get their life structured. I remember saying to someone, another client on Thursday, I said, look, I can tell you the principles in psychology. I, I can tell you this. But at the end of the day, I can't help you a great deal unless you give your heart to Jesus Christ. And that's what I've got to focus on. And that's what we all got to focus on. Many times when we go to work, we go to work with the thing in mind, can I make enough money to pay my bills? We've got, this is what tithing's all about, so we can get over that hump so that we can get over the hump of survival, so we can get over the hump of, I need this job because I've, I've, I've got that many bills now, I've got to work 12 hours a day to try to meet the bills. And friends, if we're getting ourselves into that spot, we're making ourselves ineffective for the kingdom of God because it's all about me now and all about me surviving. Does that make sense? You're in the workplace, you're in there because God wants you in there because he's got a redemptive purpose for that workplace. There's a redemptive work that he wants to do through our lives. Our lives today, the purpose is about the kingdom. It's not about having the nicest painted house in town or the latest jet ski or the latest car. It's not about that. It's not about being debt free. It's, it's about what am I purpose here in this workplace? 
And today, that's, where I'm, that's why I'm wearing this, so I can remind me and remind you today is that, is that your mission field is out there. <laughs> Does, you're quiet. I get scared if people get quiet. <laughs> so it's a new paradigm. It's a new lens to look through. Brett and Amanda, I told you I had a prophetic word, and I've had you on my mind for three weeks now, thinking I've got to give them this word. The word is that you're at the right place at the right time. God has you there, and he's got you there for a reason. And, 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 and it's keeping that reason ahead of you that it's more than... And you know this, but sometimes we just got to we got to be reminded of the obvious. <laughs> Who's there? Because <laughs> I know in the battle, mate, we just want to get out. We get sick of the stress. We get sick of the pressure. We get sick of all the laws. We get sick of the HR issues. Who's been there? I'm sick of them. But God is well pleased. God is well pleased what you're doing, Amanda. He's well pleased that you're there because he knows while you're there, he's got a a wall of protection around many, many kids. And the years will come when they will return to you and they will remember. And you'll say, it was worth it. It was worth it. You're doing a good job. And all the school teachers, Louise, who are the school teachers here? Yeah, don't underestimate the impact you're having. I still remember the Morris brothers, some of them who taught me. I I remember the ones that were cruel to me, and I remember the only one in the whole school. And he was good to me. Sometimes we we don't don't understand or don't remember that. So the first point I want to talk on today, I've got four points I want to, if you're out there and you're working, the first point is that you are called of God to go and make disciples. You're not called of God to go and make a million dollars. You're called of God into the workplace because that's your mission field. People want to say, Dan, what's, what's God's purpose for my life? Win the loss, make disciples. Yeah, but I want to know a job. doesn't matter, honestly. Honestly, I've done, I've done 25 different careers in my life. 25, I count them up. And once I got the purpose of God in the middle, it didn't matter whether I was cleaning toilets, it didn't matter whether I was painting a mask of the ship, it didn't matter whether I was taking, changing a motor out of a, out of a trawler, it didn't matter whether I was in a... It didn't matter. It didn't matter. At the end of that, it doesn't matter. God, as long as your anointing is over my life to go reach people to reach them for the gospel. It doesn't matter. Some of us, we know what we want to do. I have a flair for engineering. Well, that's good. (laughs) But that's not my purpose and call. Does that make sense? I'm a coach and a trainer. That's good, but that's not... My my call is, is, is what is the avenue to get the gospel in there? And if it's through engineering, that's the avenue. If it's through being a house painter, that's the avenue. If it's a politician, that's the avenue. These things are just the avenue by which I can get the, the, this living water into that area. If I'm a mental health nurse, it's about 
This is the air. This is just the vehicle by which I take the kingdom of God. This is, this is how I take redemption to the world. It's not all of... It's not, everyone, people say to me oftentimes, oh, why did Jesus die so young? Well, because so he can multiply his gift on us so that we can reach a lot more people. Heaven is yet to see what a man and woman can do, totally given over to him. Don't lose track of the God factor in the midst of the day. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. And I know at times the hours are long. And I know it can be damn discouraging. And I know there's times we just want to give it up and go on holidays and forget it. Who beat me? I know. I know. I know when I did fly in, fly out in the mines. It was horrible. Horrible. And we can lose track of it. This is a God moment. We are there to impact the workplace for the gospel. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen generation. Think about it. You are, you are, I am, we are a chosen generation. We are a chosen generation. God chose us millions of years ago. He chose us. He says, man, I can put something over their world that's going to make the world which they live is, is a, a preset for heaven. Now, we, we pray the Our Father, don't we? Thy kingdom come. You know, it's not take me to heaven. It's about bringing heaven to earth. Come on, that's what it's about. When you walk into your workplace, you're taking heaven <laughs> to earth. That's what tomorrow's all about. That's what Tuesday's all about. That's what Wednesday's all about. That's what Thursday. That's what Friday. That's what the working day's all about. God, how can I bring the kingdom of God into this place today? How can I see the, the power of sin broken across this place? You are a chosen generation. Luke 10.3 says, Behold, behold. Behold, this is a horrible scripture. I don't know why they put it in the Bible. But it does say, I send you forth as lambs amongst wolves. Oh, God, that's a horrible scripture. Man, some of those wolves, they're hungry, man, and they've they got to bite like a... <laughs> they're wolves. Who, who's been... <laughs> there's abuse. There's, there's all sorts of stuff. There's immorality going on there. There's temptation there. There's all sorts of things. I sent you as, there's no joke about that one, I can tell you. It doesn't seem much when you say it real quick. Yeah, I sent you as lambs amongst wolves. And the second point is, keep yourself strong in God. Keep yourself strong. It says here in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. Tell you what, that's a pretty good description of the damn workplace. Who would ever say amen? Sounds like most of you are retired. Who can say that's a picture of the workplace it is dog eat dog and mainly dog eat Christian 
It is. We've, we've got to keep ourselves strong in God, which means we've got to pray, which means we've got to read the Word of God, which means we've got to be under spiritual authority. I've got to keep myself under spiritual authority because we don't salute the person, we salute the position. They're God's anointed. I've got to stay there while I'm stay there. God's with me. The power of God, we need that. We need the wisdom of God and we need to seek God for miracles. You know, people in your workplace, they're, they're, they're just itching for a miracle. Some of the people who we work with, man, I was an industrial chaplain for nine years or something. And I, man, I saw the worst of it all. And I've had husbands come into my office saying, Dad, I just want to go home one day, just one day, one day and not have to walk into a home with the issues of anger and bitterness. I've had wives say to me, Dan, I just want to go home one day, one night, where my husband didn't get drunk and abuse me. You know, people, so they live real hard lives. And if we're not strong in God, see, we're, we're, we're wrestling against principalities and powers. We're not wrestling against employers and the next pay rise. Come on, think about it. Think it. That's not where your battle is. Your, your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against that workmate and, and, who, who gossips about you. It's not about that person. It's not about what industrial law has been broken. It's not about that. It's not about, you know, the chosen frozen in the workplace. It's not about that. It's about principalities and powers. And you and I today have got to understand you're not there just to pull spanners. You're not there just to teach one and one. You're not just there to talk history. You're not just there to fix a computer program. You're not there just to do that, you're there to pull down spiritual strongholds. Amen. Amen. That's what they're there for. So we're going to keep our, our behavior consistent and by God, that's not easy, is it? We've got to keep our responses godly. We've got to keep our work ethic at that place up there. Now, I know I've had enough bosses to know that a lot of bosses, mate, they've got about as much brains as a frog's got feathers. They're as dumb as you can get. I remember, oh, mate, I can tell some stories. Oh, Dan, we need to put a pipe up there and be right up in the middle of a thousand pipes and say, so you spend a week making the pipe up and you weld it all up and cut it all, mate, just good. Wait a day for the riggers and you rig it up and you get it up there all tacked up and they come up and says, Oh, you know, I think we've changed our mind. Don't think we'll put it up there now, Dan. We want to put something else up there. We'll run it over there. Not a problem, sir. Where's the riggers? Another way. Dave, got away. Mate, it changes, doesn't it? And who gets frustrated? Come on, come on. Tell the truth and shock the devil. Come on. Who gets frustrated? Who gets frustrated? You but guys, we're representing the kingdom of God and we're in there today and we've got to keep our responses godly. We've got to keep them consistent. We've got to keep the word. No gossip. No gossip. No time for gossip. It's like one time I was, I was an engineer uh, in, in the sugar industry there, and I was uh, the shift engineer, so I ran the mill for shift and used to wear a, a, a two-way radio and, 
and, and the main radio piece would be back here, and you'd get talking to people, and you lean against something, and you'd press the button. So what you said went everywhere. <laughs> went everywhere. Oh, dear Lord. And one time the big boss came to me and said, Dan, just watch what you're talking about, please. We all can hear it. <laughs> and it was a lesson. It was a lesson. What do I say when I don't think anyone's hearing? Am I talking about my workmates? This is about, this is about the kingdom of God. Because I was the one that set the heavenly standard in my workplace. Sometimes you've got to be strong. I went into a boardroom in Melbourne in this company I worked for. We had 50,000 employees. We were in 50 nations. And the, the big managing director decided he wanted to have a meeting with us guys. So I goes into the boardroom. There was five of us in there. And this big managing director, I mean, he travelled the world on a continual basis. And he sat down with us and he, he started talking in a way that was just not, not acceptable. And everyone around that table just shut up and just said nothing. And I remember saying to him, Michael, if somebody in a workplace spoke like that, they'd be sacked tomorrow. And my boss said, oh, Dan, you shouldn't have said that. No, no, no. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. And if it costs you your job, it costs you your job, but you can't. See, if you and I set the bar low, that's what people think God will set. Make sense? Because they're looking at you, they're looking at me to say, what is Christianity? Is it consistent in the hard times? How do they keep their attitudes in the hard times? Be strong in the Lord. The third point is, make it known that you are a Christian and let your light shine. Let it know that you are a Christian. doesn't matter what they call you. It's a matter what you call you. Does that make sense? They're calling you that anyway. But they will come. Jesus said here in Matthew 5, 16, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. That's what we've got, that's what we're called to do. And yes, there'll be people who will oppose you, but they will respect you, as long as you're consistent. Because what I've found is insects come to the light. Bees come to the honey. Flying foxes come to my fruit. Mm. <laughs> they do. I've got some nice peaches on at the moment. And they're eating it through the net. And it's a real good illustration of what the world wants. The world wants what you want. And if we let it shine, putting a net around ourselves won't stop them from coming. Won't stop them because they need it. They need, they thirst, they hunger for a way through. To know that. And the last point here. Oh, I'm doing all right. Right on when old mate comes up. Hmm. Hmm. Wasn't it good to see Talia up here this morning? Oh, gee, that was special. Know the times that we live in and how to communicate the message. One of the hardest things I found working in the workplace was being able to style the message of the kingdom for the workplace in which I worked in. 
It says here in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, who has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I've seen Christians many times who may be sharing their faith, but they make it too hard for people to grab a hold of. When most people come to Christ, they come to Christ and will for quite a while have a mixture of theologies. So they come to Jesus because of need, but they might have a whole lot of belief systems in there that don't agree with Scripture. And if we're going to come too hard on them, we'll lose them. I'm coming into truth now, 40 years after being saved. <laughs> I never had it. I haven't had it for 40 years, but I'm coming into stuff now. I said, man, why didn't I see that? Who's been there? Have, have you been there? And you, Why didn't I see that earlier? Well, who knows why? And one thing we've got to be able to do, we've got to be able to bring the message to people that doesn't condemn them. We've got to bring a message of life. We've got to bring a message that, that, that quenches the thirst. Of the, in other words, we've got to answer the questions that people are asking. But if we just stay in this little ecosystem here and the only people we fellowship are saved people and butter wouldn't melt in our mouth and we're really nice and holy people on a Sunday, bleh, you know, it's true. It's true. I'm not going to go there. They might corrupt me. Well, what do you got? If your boat can't stand good hard weather, well, why have it? And, and so we stay in this little protected world where the only people we're with are people who won't offend me because I'm pretty important, you know, and I shouldn't be offended. <laughs> oh, what you said hurt me? Well, maybe. Is, is that we, we've got to know the message. We've got to know what our young people need today. I've got to know what young Lukey needs if I'm going to see him grow up to be a grown, strong man. I've got to know what he needs. I can't kill him before he gets going. And he's going to do a lot of stupid things. Boys are boys. Boys will do what boys will do, not because they're bad, but just because they've got testosterone in their systems. They don't know how to handle it. They don't have the mental hardware yet. Hopefully they will by the time they're 30. But if you don't have the mental hardware, you can't do the workings out. Is that right? Who's got sons? Mate, they can be dumb. <laughs> they can be dumb. They can do stupid things. And you ask them, why did you do that? I don't know. Seemed good at the time. <laughs> Who's been there? Oh, mate, if I gave you a brain, it'd be lonely. You know, it, it, we've got to answer the questions the world are asking. I sat with a lady on Thursday, and she broke down crying. The fact that she had had, she's not saved, nowhere close. She broke down crying because she had had two abortions in her younger life. And this woman who doesn't know God still, she still got convicted and she still struggled. What's God's message for that lady? I know what the religious message is, but what is the message for that lady that's going to give her hope so that she can become the anyone who comes to Christ? 
that she can become the anyone? So she can become the whosoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life? What, what do I say to her? Well, you should feel bad. You know, you did this and did this and did this. No, and there might be people here today. At the time, that's what you knew and that's what you did and, and you're having a hard enough time forgiving yourself let alone thinking that God would forgive you. So the first point, know that you are called to God where you work. That's your pulpit. We may not see what you do, but God wants to tell you today you're doing a good work. You're doing a good work. Keep yourself strong in God. Some of us here today, we've been working that hard, not refueling emotionally and spiritually, and we're running dry. You need to come to someone and say, help me and help me. That's our job, is to equip the estates for the work of the ministry. That's our job. Partner up with us, because we want to help you to be full continually. Make it known that you are a Christian. And the last one, know the times that you live in, communicate the message. Just as we close this. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well? Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.